You're listening to a live recording from Westside Church in Bend, Oregon. Thanks for joining us. Good morning, everybody. I'm Ben Fleming. I'm one of the senior pastors here at Westside. Good morning to all of those of you who are joining us online or even after the live broadcast on podcasts or whatever place you find us. Um, I'm especially grateful to my mom who's watching online. Uh, I just am amazed you still love me. And uh, uh, that's all. I had nothing to do with the message. I'm going to speak to you this morning from the sermon subject, The Gift of Limits. Now, this is an interesting sermon in that it will feel incomplete to you at the end. And that's not because I haven't put in the effort to try to tie up every loose end. It is a big, broad, difficult topic that I'm actually encouraging you to wrestle with. So if you leave this sermon and you feel a little uncomfortable in your stomach or something, that is normal. That is actually the prescribed feeling as you leave here today. So um, that's my excuse for making you feel that way, okay? Uh, by the way, happy summer. Uh, at least a couple days ago, we had summer. That was nice. Some of you have transitioned really nicely. I noticed walking in back to the green jackets and like earthy colors. It's very fall for some of you right now. You're more pliable than I am. Uh, I I spent a lot of time outside this last weekend and um, last night, a lot of my friends were going, hey, you've been in the sun. I'm like, yeah, you know, I've been outside. You no, you've been in the sun. And I didn't look in the mirror till this morning and you guys, it's it's bad. (laughs) I am so sorry for you to, um, anyway, it'll turn to a tan eventually someday. You know, there's been, uh, there's been so much to reflect on for all of us over the last couple years, really, is um, we're, we're kind of figuring out how to navigate culture and our nation and families and churches and a, a way of living that is new for many of us. It's been an era lending itself to a rediscovery of what we believe and who we are and who we trust. Much of the ground that we've always found to feel firm is kind of muddy and shaky for the first time. The remedy for this uncertainty, I believe, for the church is a unified understanding of the gospel and who Jesus is. A unified understanding of the gospel and who Jesus is. And so what I usually like to do uh, in situations like these, whenever I'm trying to bring people together and unify us in a shared message, I like to get a little Pentecostal, you know what I'm saying? I like to like sing a little bit from the platform. I'm not gonna do that today. Um, I like to quote stuff in my unhealthier years. I like to take things out of context and uh, just use scriptures that make you feel real, real good. You know, I like to say, and I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me and forget that Paul was in prison when he wrote it, you know? It's real nice. Or, you know, when, when Jesus was, when God was talking to Joshua and he said, everywhere that you put your feet, that's where I've got you and I've given that land to you. And so, you know what, church, we're going to stand up. We're just going to start walking right now. You and me, we're going to walk to Sparrow Bakery in Northwest Crossing and we're going to claim it in the name of Jesus. The ocean rolls. We'll walk upon them and not... And the, the sound of my message is actually going to sound a little bit different than that today. And it's, it's good. And I resisted when I was given this specific subject to talk about. Everything within me was like, I don't know if this is Jesus. Because it pushes against my human nature. But this is actually the message that I need to hear today. And I hope that you feel the same. We're talking about limits. 
talking about limits. Now, it's funny, our relationship with limits varies based on who we are, and it's never been more evident uh, than how each and every single one of us deals with driving on the parkway here in Bend, Oregon. Uh, did you know, you guys, I'm going to bring a big fact to you, okay? There's a couple Central Oregon facts that I really like to give people. Number one, Smith Rock is where they filmed the cougar scene in Homeward Bound. Anybody? Homeward Bound? Yeah, that was all in Central Oregon. My second favorite trivia question to ask people is, do you know the speed limit of the parkway that runs right through Bend, Oregon? 45. Yeah, someone said 45. I got to believe that you're wrong. That's not how fast I was going this morning. But I've discovered that based on my mood, the parkway can take on all kinds of different speed limits. If I'm not in a hurry, yeah, it's 45. I drive a hybrid and I can lock it into emergency vehicle at 40 or 45 and I can be at 100 miles the gallon. But then when I'm in a hurry, all y'all that are going 45 miles an hour are a problem. You know what I'm saying? And get out of the left lane. The left lane is for passing, not for sitting. This is Pentecostal. Hello. <laughs> and, and sometimes, you know, I'm like, oh, I'm going 45. I'm being safe and I am responsible and fuel efficient. And then when I got to go somewhere, I'm going, what are all the rest of you people doing? I'm being impatient. And then sometimes I'll be going 45 after I've been going 65 and somebody will pass me at 70 and I'll be like, oh, Jesus, protect the rest of us from the irresponsible drivers of this world. <laughs> I hope there's a police officer up there just to teach that man about the Holy Spirit. <laughs> and we have, based on our moods and our feelings and our needs, right, we have different understanding of what limits are. And I believe that Jesus actually gives us a beautiful blueprint for what our limits should be. And my contention to you today is that there is far more power in the peace that we receive with an understanding of these limits, God's gift of limits. Without it, we compromise our ability to love God to love ourselves and others over the long haul of our lives. When we embrace our limits, when we surrender to them, we acknowledge that we are not God. God is God and we are not. When we accept that we're his creatures and we surrender to the reality that he alone is in charge of the world, beautiful lives and healthy people are created. Limits are a deeply spiritual issue and how we understand, respond to our limits goes to the core of our relationship with God. So let me prove it to you. Maybe some of you are already feeling a little bit skeptical and going, I don't know, man. I thought the messaging of the church was that we're limitless. I believe that the kingdom of God is limitless and that our God truly is limitless. But what are we to do in the middle of this? Well, I think the, the best, one of the best examples is at the very beginning of all the scripture narrative in Genesis, when God creates man and woman, and then he sets up a limit, really without saying anything, he sets up a limit. And he says in Genesis 2, verse 17, says, you're allowed to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for you will surely die. And so Satan's strategy, which I believe is the same strategy that he utilizes on us, is what he uses on Adam and Eve in this moment. And he comes to Eve and he says, you're not gonna die if you eat that. I mean, not like die, die. Come on, some of you guys are really good at talking yourselves out of healthy life habits. I mean, it won't be that bad. It'll just be bad for a little while. You won't die, the servant said to the woman. God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it and you'll be like God. You'll know both good and evil. 
And there's something at the core of each and every single one of us that says, when I break through the healthy limits of my life, I actually will become and understand more. I'll even be more like God. And I want you to know that I really believe that the biggest reason that so many of us suffer from anxiety, depression, so many of these mental ailments even, is because Satan wants to seal, kill, and destroy. And that can be done through a slow and painful process through destroying healthy people and making them unhealthy, making them believe that we can actually be more like God when we push past our limits and we address our insecurities by simply trying to take on more in our lives instead of allowing God to take on more. I'll give you an example, not just from the Old Testament, but from the life of Jesus, okay? Satan comes to Jesus at one point and he actually tempts him. And he says, look, turn stones into bread, satisfy your hunger when he's on this 40-day fast. And Jesus refuses. And then he says, okay, well, here's a better thing. Throw yourself off the highest building in the holy city and demonstrate that you come from God. And Jesus refuses. Claim the kingdoms of the world then. Just bow down before me and all the kingdoms of the world can be yours. And Jesus instead endures his fast. He walks down the steps of the high building. He, does, he embraces the slow process to the cross instead of a more painless solution. Jesus embraces limits. And he does it again when he doesn't build a large following in Capernaum after the people beg him to, they want to follow him. Jesus doesn't heal all of the blind or the lame in the whole world. Jesus doesn't visit Africa. He doesn't visit Europe or the Americas. He doesn't let everyone follow him. He even sends some people home who want to follow him. He sleeps when he's tired. He eats when he's hungry. He resists the invitation to quit or form an army or a political movement. And at the end of his life, what does Jesus say? Oh, I wish I would have had more time. Oh, I could have done so much more. Oh, if Peter wouldn't have just been such an idiot. And I swear, if I would have just drafted my disciples a little bit better, could have stuck around longer, healed some more people. Oh, I should have just had that bread with Satan. Maybe that was the best move. This could have been the best move for my career. No, what does Jesus say at the very end of it all? He says, it's finished. My work here that would look so incomplete to so many, to God, is finished. Now, I've experienced this in my own life. And the cycle that I find myself on looks like this, and maybe you can relate. I decide in a healthy moment, I want my life to have value. And I hope that all of us want our lives to have value. I hope we wanna put in the work that, that creates a valuable and helpful life. But I've noticed that when I get unhealthy, I wanna put all of that value onto the spiritual and emotional connection that I have with other people. And so what I'll do so often is I will take on as much of the need. I will go past my limits at the expense of my family and my friends and my own soul in order to have affirmation from as many people as possible immediately around me. There's a, a fable that I heard recently in this book that we're getting a lot of this uh, sermon subject from. It's called Emotionally Healthy Discipleship by Peter Scazzaro. And Scazzaro tells a fable in this story that involves a, a person who's made a decision to follow and pursue their dreams and their purpose. And they believe that it's at the end of this long, long road and journey that they have to begin soon in order to come to the goal 
in a certain amount of time to achieve those goals. And somewhere along the road, uh, this journeyman comes to a bridge and there's someone else walking the opposite direction on the bridge and they have a large amount of rope with them. Some of it's even wrapped around them. And as they see the journeyman approaching and they meet somewhere in the middle, the rope has been unspooled from around this person and one end is handed to the journeyman. The man says, would you please hold on to this for me? And the journeyman grabs a hold of it, not even thinking about it, right? Some of the parents in the house know what this is like when your kids have arts and crafts after church. And before you know it, you leave church like this, holding on to all this stuff. You have no idea where it came from. It's kind of a mindless receiving of this rope. And what the man does is he connects the other side to himself and then he throws himself off the bridge, leaving the journeyman holding his own end. He says, what are you doing? Look, here's the deal. You've got the other end of the rope and now my life is in your hands as he dangles over this massive ravine. The journeyman goes, "I I didn't ask for this. Yeah, but you're holding it now. This is where we're at. If you let go, I'm lost. And journeyman starts looking, shouting for other people to come and help or a place to tie the rope so that we can pull from a different piece of the rope and maybe help the other man come to the, to the, to the top of the bridge again. And he says, look, there's nowhere to hold it. I can't pull you up. I don't have enough strength to perform this. He says, well, I'm sorry, but if you let go, I'm dead and that's your fault. And so he comes up with a strategy and he says, okay, I'm going to wrap my end around me now and I'm going to brace myself. And he says, look, I've wrapped my rope around me. I'm going to be the counterweight so that you can climb up the rope. I'll pull as much as I can from my side, but you need to climb from your side. But the man at the bottom of the rope is disinterested. No, thank you. I really need you to figure this out. I understand that it's tough, but this is on you. Could you live with yourself if you let me die? (laughs) Man continues to consider it. And finally, after lots of thinking, the sun begins to go down. He looks over the bridge and he says, look, I'm willing to help as much as I can, but I cannot complete this task on my own. You must help me. And the man at the bottom says, I can't and I won't. And the journeyman says, I respect your decision. And he lets go of the rope. It's a tough story. And I'm reading it and I'm going, I don't know if that's Jesus. That doesn't sound and feel like Jesus. It sounds kind of violent and scary. But like we just talked about, Jesus doesn't take on every single rope in his time on earth. Now, the kingdom of God is for everyone, but Jesus, God with skin on, embraces these limits that we have to encourage ourselves to take on as well. Many of you in this room have taken hold of so many ropes that you've completely compromised much of the purpose and the dream that God has for your life. And one of the difficult parts is that sometimes you've been able to muster the strength to pull people up from the bridge and then they've thrown themselves over again and again and again. I wanna help release some of you from that burden today with an understanding of this. You were never meant to hold the emotional and the spiritual ropes of every person around you. It is not your job 
to hold up your children's lives for the rest of your life. It's not your job to hold up the expectations and the hopes and the dreams that your parents put on you for the rest of your life. You can't hold all these ropes. You can't hold all these expectations. In order to live out the life that God is calling us to live, we must let go of some of them. So what do we do? Uh, we have to identify our limits. Here's some ways that we can identify our limits or some resources that will help us discover this. Uh, you can investigate your personality. There's a lot of personality tests out there. There's DISC, there's Myers-Briggs, Strength Finders, Enneagram. Uh, I would encourage you to take as many of these as you can to gain information about yourself. Um, here's the caveat that I would throw out. None of these tests were ever meant to be worshiped or fully comprehensive. I don't know about you, but I've noticed this and maybe it's because of my own personality. Steve Mickle came up to me, I think it was Steve, and said, hey, uh, we're gonna do the Enneagram as a staff. You know what number you are. And I said, I am whatever number thinks this is stupid. <laughs> and he was like, all right, you're an eight. That's very good. Easy peasy. Sure enough, I took the test. I'm an eight, baby. If you don't know, I'm a challenger. And so any of these tests you put before me, I usually put them in the same vein as, what Disney prince are you? <laughs> I've found a lot of value in these. Um, I also believe that we need to keep a healthy understanding that personality tests were never, ever meant to be worshipped and not comprehensive, Okay. And we should take them with an understanding to learn, not as an excuse to be idiots. Look, you know, can, hey, can you help me with this? Or look, I really, I think you should speak a little bit more kindly to me. Look, I got limits, babe. That's just how it is. That's who I am. I'm an eight. And that means I'm just a, a pain in the bottom. That's not the point. We can learn about ourselves without becoming complete and total empty-headed morons, all right? Another resource, your body. How's your body feeling and responding? Uh, I had a coach for a while, a fitness coach for a while, that would always tell me, look, there's a difference between good pain and bad pain. When you're doing these squats, if it's a sharp pain that you feel like involves your bones and your ligaments, you're not helping by continuing the exercise. But if your muscles are struggling to move the weight, that can build strength. Your body, if you are listening, will tell you when you have gone beyond your limits. That's not just in a physical, I worked out too much way, but very often the weight that our souls carry will be transferred into our bodies and it's trying to tell us something, to slow down, to establish limits. Another part of that really is our brain. Did you know that your brain can get injured and a lot of times the symptoms instead of a broken leg or a strain or a, or a torn ligament is that we jump into things like anxiety or depression. But here's the thing about how we are socially as a culture is that we've been taught, many of us, to say, look, those are just feelings and I'm gonna move beyond them. I believe that God has built and geared our bodies with these gas or check engine lights that tell us, look, you're unhealthy. You've gone beyond your limits. You don't always just have to tough it out. Sometimes we have to stop and we have to understand where we are limited so that we can live life in a healthy way. Another resource, the people around you. Some of you have been going beyond your limits for years and years and your family or your friends, your close relationships, your coworkers have been telling you to stop for a long time. I would recommend you stop. 
and listen. Then finally, your spirit. I've noticed that when I'm unhealthy and that when I push beyond my limits, which actually has been much of my life over the last couple weeks. Okay, years. I've discovered that my spirit will make up stories about my environment and the people around me. That when I feel pressed, when there's too much on me, that when I've taken on and I've held on to too many ropes, I will begin to believe that, well, why is nobody else here? Nobody else wants to help. What a bunch of ungrateful this and that. I'll begin to make up stories about what people and groups are saying about me. Look, we do this as this natural weird survival technique a lot of our lives is because we feel so pressed and so exhausted, we begin to make up stories about our world in order to improve ourselves and make ourselves feel better, which can work for a short period of time, but it's not the long-term solution. Have you ever found yourself not talking to someone, definitely not listening to someone, not even being in someone else's physical space, and you feel like you know everything that they think and they're saying about you and the world around you? Well, you know how they think about me and you know what they say and you haven't talked to them for years. Your spirit is showing you that you've gone beyond your limits, that you've reached an unhealthy place. Here's the second big thing, uh, practice Sabbath. I would highly recommend <laughs> to myself a 24-hour period in which we practice Sabbath where we abandon work and building. Instead, we delight in the Lord. We rest with our friends or with our family or sometimes just with ourselves. And we remember that we are God, that we are God, that we are not God. He is God and we are not. We remember that we need a break from the world. And here's another good part of Sabbath that I've been thinking about recently. We give the world a break from us. Number three, and then we allow other people to fill the gaps or we fill the gaps. One thing that I've noticed about myself and my own unhealthy nature because I wanna receive value from other people, I want people to affirm my help or my love or my life, I will then take on everything that I possibly can. I will exhaust myself because I actually like it when people look at me and go, whoa, you're doing a lot. They go, yeah, thanks, makes me feel good. My family's mad at me, but that's fine. I appreciate your affirmation. And what we do when we fill all the gaps in just ourselves, we forget that we're meant for community and for team. Some of the leaders in the room and online right now, some of you lead businesses, organizations, or maybe even churches, and your arrogance and your desire to take on everything to look as much like God as possible is robbing the people around you from an opportunity to mature and to contribute. We need to repent and again remember that God is God and we are not. The price we pay when we don't do these things is the loss of our mental and spiritual health that creates broken relationships, missed opportunities. The worst part, we rob ourselves from the opportunity to allow God to be God in our lives. I'll finish with this scripture, um, kind of sum up the whole thing here. I love John the Baptist in that he came before Jesus, if you don't know, and he was really this messenger and he was telling everyone the Messiah is coming, the Messiah is coming. And because his message was so powerful and anointed, he developed this following. He even had his own grouping of disciples. 
And so what happens when Jesus does show up and John actually identifies him and he says, this is the Lamb of God. What happens is church drama starts up. Hello, how many know church drama has been going on for thousands of years? We think we're so special. Oh, drama in my church. You know, the drama in my church. Yeah, go to another one. You'll find the same thing. We just got to try to manage it ourselves, all right? But this is what's going on is already even Jesus shows up and then people begin to leave John as disciples to go follow after Jesus. And what happens is somebody, I'm sure a well-meaning, gossip-filled person comes up and goes, John, don't you, aren't you upset? People are leaving you and they're going to him. What are you gonna do? And this is John's response in John 3, verse 28. He says, you yourselves know how plainly I told you. I'm not the Messiah. I'm only here to prepare the way for him. It's the bridegroom who marries the bride. The bridegroom's friend is simply glad to stand with him and hear his vows. Therefore, I'm filled with joy at his success. He must become greater and greater. And I must become less and less. Limits. So now, maybe some of you are still skeptical. And you're like, man, why is Westside always doing this stuff? Like, I just want the really high-end inspiration kind of a thing. And you guys are like making me Sabbath and stuff. I'm not really making you do anything, just suggesting to myself included. But maybe if you're still skeptical, I want to ask you this. Maybe, maybe you can receive this message that I'm trying to preach you to this morning, not just as this, all right, you need to be puny and you need to stop and you need to just sleep all the time and have this really passive personality. Look, I believe that there are goals out there that we need to achieve. And by the way, Jesus broke through limits at the right times. Five loaves and two fish feeds 15,000 people. Death on the cross, he defeats and he breaks through that limit so that the world, humanity can receive salvation. I understand that there are times for us to break through limits in our lives. But what if my message today isn't just slow down and be quiet and be passive? But what if the strength of the church and the strength of you as an individual, the strength of the single people in the room and the strength of the marriages and the strength of the families in this room is found in the fact that we understand at the very core of our spirit that we are to become less and less and God will become greater and greater. All of a sudden the pressure is off of the church and us as individuals to put on the boxing gloves of life and feel like we got to defend Jesus at every moment. And did you know that the world is trying to take away our churches and they're trying to shut us down and they're going to be burning all these things. And I'm here to say, look, I don't need to defend Jesus anymore. By the way, I never did need to. That's a limit on my life. What happens when the church is most powerful when we say we are limited, we are less and less and our God will be elevated in the middle of that moment and that spirit what if we do not compromise on an understanding of our limits so that our God might increase I'll encourage you again we must go and learn what this means Jesus we embrace limits this morning again not to be a passive culture not to be a people that don't 
stand and believe in anything, but to be a people that elevate the greatness and often the wild nature of our God. Lord, we believe that in, if we embrace our limits in the appropriate times, Lord, that you will break through our limits when necessary. Jesus, we embrace the gift that you have given us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.